Welcome to Lush Life Season 6. Today we're starting our How to Drink Season by talking about the most subjective of topics, flavor. What you might like, I might hate, and vice versa. So how do you even begin talking about flavor? By inviting the King of Zing on the program. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. As the founder of World of Zing, Pratesh Modi is renowned as one of the UK's leading drinks experts. If you haven't tried one of his bottled cocktails yet, you are in for such a treat. He adds that special something to a cocktail to make it sing. Or should I say, zing. He was the obvious choice to start off my new season. Who better to talk about flavor with me? It's super exciting to have you here because we're going to be talking about flavor. Even though that is so nebulous and subjective. But before we do, please introduce yourself. Cool. So uh, my name is Pritesh Modi. I launched a company called World of Zing back in 2014. It doesn't feel like a lot, but it's insane, like seven years, which which is absolutely crazy. And we're all about, fundamentally, we're about pre-batch and bottled cocktails. So I like to think we were the first company out there to really do it on any scale, any serious scale. So we set up a whole facility and all that back in 2014. And I guess the cornerstone to us is, is about flavor. So sort of pioneering flavor and innovating with flavor and just playing around and having fun with flavors. Well, before we get into that, we have to know who you are, because this is Lush Life. So we have to go yeah. back before we go forward. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to know Tell a little bit more you. about you. All right. And while you're doing that, by the way, here, I'm plugging you. I am trying your passion fruit margarita in my glass right now. Wicked. Okay. Wicked. So while you're telling me about yourself, I will be sipping this. Fantastic. So this is this is kind of not that I've ever been on Tinder or one of these dating apps, but it sounds like one of those like, <laughs> tell me about yourself. Born and raised in East London. I, I grew up in the food and drink industry. So my family are one of the oldest spice merchants in the country. So a lot of the major Indian restaurants, Oriental restaurants in the UK, they've supplied the ingredients to for for decades. Uh, so I've always grown up and, and been around really interesting food and drink and chefs, particularly. Uh, and as I say, literally kind of grew up in the restaurant industry, kind of go to restaurants with my dad from as long as I could walk and walk straight into the kitchen with him and just hang out and see and feel the buzz and the lively feel of, of a kitchen and a restaurant. So that's all I really know. I studied law for my sins very randomly. So it wasn't just a, a kind of a fait accompli, a, a decision that you were going to go right into the hospitality industry like your family? Oh, no. no, I mean, like coming from an Indian background, what I do isn't considered a job. Like you have to be a profession. Do you know what I mean? Like, so oh, I didn't I kind of, I, I, I studied law. I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. And I think actually it was an incredible education, which still allows me or, or has allowed me to ground out what I do now and uh, a springboard, uh, which I'll go into a bit later, but it's a fantastic springboard to what World of Zing is now. So I, I think it was an incredible thing to do, but it, it's really funny. So up until I was basically about 30, my dad would introduce, I have a, a younger sister who's a doctor. And if he was to introduce us to someone new, he would say, this is my daughter who's a doctor and this is my son who studied law not is marketing director of a number of drinks companies that's so funny because you were still in business though you were in business yeah i had a 
a good job. Like, <laughs> like it was paying the bills and having a good time. And but yeah, it wasn't quite it wasn't quite professional enough for him to so- understand it. Why do you think you were drawn right into that world? I guess marketing for drinks brands or um, drinks brands themselves. Well, well, I I started in marketing and PR soon after university. And I just kind of got a job for a marketing PR company. And they happened to specialize in restaurants and drinks. So I started off kind of just just where, where I guess my life should have always gone, like back into the restaurant world. And I guess drinks is the sexiest part of, for me anyway. Like, I really love food, but there's something about a good cocktail, which is, is, is for me, another another level of uh, food and drink experience. Oh, well, um, I totally agree. I totally understand uh, yeah. as well. Now, with the drinks, did you find that having grown up, eat, and I, I'm assuming, did your mom make or did your mom and dad make Indian food or very flavorful food at home? Yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in a spice warehouse. Okay. Like two, three times a week, I'd be in a warehouse. Just Do you think that made your palate, I guess, what is the word? More, I guess, global, obviously, but kind of keener, more agile than maybe someone who might not no. have grown up with those flavors? Your palate is your palate, right? But all it did is opened my eyes from day one to possibilities in flavor. There's only so much you can do. You can learn to appreciate flavors and uh, aromas, etc. But what you're what you're born with is what you've got, right? So then it's actually about how you maximize that the knowledge. And I guess it just from from day one, from as long as you know, I can remember, it was always there was always something new, interesting. I'd walk into my dad's warehouse and be intrigued as to what that smell, what that spice, da da da, touch, feel. I was always getting quite tactile with ingredients from day from day one. Did you have a favorite, or were there things that you were always drawn to? Uh, not at all. I'm always, even now, kind of, I don't have a favorite anything. Kind of, it's always constantly evolving and, and, and developing. Otherwise, life just gets a bit boring, right? So when did you decide to jump off that diving board into working for a company to creating your own company? So basically, I spent I spent the best part of 10 years in marketing and comms for a lot of, lot of drinks brands predominantly. And I guess I, I got to a, a, a career juncture where one of my key contracts was kind of not playing ball with me. I was just I was just getting frustrated, and at the same time, I'm fundamentally getting paid by clients to advise them on drinks trends and opportunities and markets, etc. As a marketing professional does, so I, I spotted this trend for bottled cocktails or no, not even bottled cocktails, but ready-made cocktails. This is going back to 2012, 2013, 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Was number one, there was, it was the start of the trend for barrel-aged cocktails. Mm. So barrel-aged Negronis, all that kind of stuff, old fashions. And number one, I thought, well, if you can age something and that then it's completely stable product. So then why can't you bottle it? And why can't the average consumer at home enjoy a barrel-aged Negroni? And then number two, I spotted around that time as well that a lot of the best bars in the world actually had prep kitchens. So a lot of the cocktails were being pre-prepared to different degrees of completedness, which makes perfect sense. Like if if I call it ready-made, at that time, you'd go, oh, no, I'm not paying, you know, what do you mean it's ready made? You'd, you'd kind of sneer at it. But if you say it's pre-prepared, like it's no difference from uh, from a restaurant, right? Doing its preparation, it's mise en place and all that stuff. Like in the, the best mission star restaurants, they do the preparation right. all during the day. And all they're doing is finishing the, the plate off 
basically at service time. And that's what the best bars were doing. I was privileged to see behind some of the best bars in the world. And I started seeing the level of completedness that was going on. I was like, hang on, this is basically a, a ready product. Like what you guys are doing here, I could, you know. So yeah, I just absolutely. Thought, yeah, and, like, um, like White Lion. Yeah. Well, they were here, open here about it. Here in London? It. Yeah, White yeah. Lion was oh. the first bar to be actually open about it and say, right. like, this is, we're, we're pre-preparing everything. But no one else was openly saying it, but a lot of places were doing it. And that was just because they were fearful of the stigma. The point is that they were developing a level of quality that was putting them at the world's best bars in the top 50 with a very fastidious preparation program, which allowed them to create a consistent, incredible liquid. So as I said, I got, I got this career juncture and I'm a big foodie as well, to be honest. I like, I, I really love enjoying new food and drink. And so I was always at food markets every weekend. So again, like when you go back to sort of 2010, 2011, around then, that was the start of the kind of food market, street food kind of Thing. And I always noticed that there was never anyone kind of selling. You'd always have a person selling fine wines. You'd have kind of cheese, bread, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, where's the where's the person? I, I'm not really a wine person. I don't really care for beer either. But I like a good cocktail. I like spirits. So I was like, there's no representation there. So I, I thought, well, I want to create a bottled cocktail program initially aimed at these street food markets. So like the same person who's into like fine wines and craft right. beers and cheese and sourdough bread, they will understand the provenance of a really well-crafted cocktail. And so my audience, I always thought my audience wasn't a, a spirits person necessarily. It was someone who was into just craft food and drink. And that's where kind of the whole concept kind of came about in a really long-winded way. It's so amazing to have a bottled cocktail in my freezer or my fridge so I don't have to make it myself, even though I have tons of spirits. And yeah, also to trust the one that I have is going to be good. Sure. The other thing you, you've got to realize is part of the reason you go to a restaurant or a bar is for the overall experience. So whilst in many, in some, some, on some occasions, it's great to see a bartender doing all the shaking and whatever. Shaking and stirring. But it's just as... I think it's just as important for the server or the bartender, if you're sitting in front of the bartender, to be able to interact with you. And I'd rather have a, a smile and some interaction with the bartender than them turn round, turn almost turn their back to me and sit there da, 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 doing all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. There is a time and place for it, but I think nine times out of ten, you just want a really good drink yesterday with a smile, right? <laughs> uh, and just just some sort of acknowledgement that I'm here and maybe tell me about the drink, something like that. But it's not always, I'm, I'm not too fussed whether the person is is mixing and messing around in front of me most of the time. Right, Unless right. it's something really, really exciting. It could be an interesting garnish or it could be uh, uh, something in the drink that makes me just want to go, well, what is that? But of we course. can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, now. You, you're you're about to start this company, and we're talking flavor here. How did you even know where to start, or what flavors to begin with in your own uh, company? Our, our first four drinks were in order: Bordeaux, Cascade, and Negroni. So we literally got hold of fresh Bordeaux wine casks, and then and so we we still had the bit of wine in the barrel, which was amazing. So we started aging yeah. Bordeaux wine casks. Number two was a, a, a steel-aged Manhattan. So again, a, a super classic. Uh, and what we did with that, along with the aging, was we added... So whiskey, to me, 
like Manhattan's to me can be quite heavy on the palate. So we're just, this was my first, I guess, our first proper foray into just playing around with ingredients. But Chezwan peppercorns would kind of infuse them into it. So it kind of lifts the flavor on your palate. So it kind of tickles. So it's a lighter Manhattan experience. Although the ABV, the ratios, everything was as a classic Manhattan. Uh, and then number three, I believe, was our margarita. So Persian lime nori margarita. So that pushed it on a, even further is like putting seaweed into a margarita was quite kind of like mind bending back then. And interestingly, all three of those drinks, we've done dozens and dozens of drinks in that time. But those first three drinks are still available now. Like we can't take those three drinks off. Did you personally know inherently where to start? Because, hey, I like a margarita and I may have done marketing for a drinks brand, but... I wouldn't know to add peppercorns to a Manhattan. Was this just something that came easily yeah, to you? Yeah, you just kind of go, right, well, you, we started off like, okay, what are the drinks we want to do? And as I say, those were and still are amongst my favorite drinks. I mean, that was, back then, Negroni was, it was like the world was gone had gone Negroni mad, right? Yeah. And it was <laughs> 2013, 2014, like gin was just kicking in negroni was the king uh, and so negroni absolutely so we played around with just kind of we just looked at it and went okay what can we do we'd i think it's a world of zinc we're not about reinventing we're about evolving so i'm not a lot of people say like we have we have the lab and everything like that like oh like are you kind of like heston kind of stuff i'm like no we're not we're, we're absolutely not heston we're not trying to reinvent anything we're not trying to mind bend you what all I'm trying to do is start, a, we call it flavor beyond ordinary. So it's not like you start at ordinary and we just take it a step beyond. We're not trying to be extraordinary. We're not trying to be like uh, wowzers. What is that? We, we want to kind of appeal to a, a broader audience and then just take them on a, on a smaller journey into different areas to show what happens if you just change small components of it what a, a, a huge difference it can make to texture, aroma, whatever it is to the, to the, to the overall experience. And, and so that's kind of how we started. So we started with those drinks and just went, what can we do to each drink to kind of just just elevate it to, to, to an experience that a normal consumer can't have at home? Well, I know personally, they're some of the best bottle cocktails I've ever, ever had, if not cocktails <laughs> I have Thank ever you. had, especially the margarita, <laughs> which is right behind me and the one that I'm drinking now, which I haven't tried before. So whatever you're doing, it's fabulous. Now, let's talk about this nebulous idea of flavor, all right? And sure. uh, for the home bartender, okay? For someone at home in lockdown, not in lockdown, who is starting from scratch, bought a bottle of gin, has this idea of being a home bartender, wants to make, bring friends in, make cocktails for themselves, and yeah, they yeah. want to start to create cocktails. They've read Robert Simonson's Three Ingredient Cocktails, and they know those, Okay, and they're ready to start creating and working with flavor themselves. I, this is such a tough question, but it's like, how do you start? How do you, what kind of, what is your first step into creating flavors? I don't even know if you can even answer that question, or maybe are there specific flavors that you you start with? It's a tough question, but how I try to do it is, what do I feel like drink? So I never make the same drink twice. I never even, even when I cook, so like, cooking's a big part of me and I don't even have, I don't go off recipes right so you kind of know roughly what you want to cook but I'll never be able to recreate a dish often my wife goes oh, that was amazing how did you make it and I've forgotten by the time I've eaten it you've already forgotten the tweaks to 
the, the, the little secret things, those steps that when someone tells you a recipe and you try and recreate it, you go, it doesn't come out the same. And they went, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about this bit. And that that's how we, that's how I do drinks. So hmm. you start off with a drink. What do you like to drink? You like to drink a margarita. We all know how to Google how to make a margarita, right? You've got the ingredients. Then suddenly you just look in the fridge. What can I do to twist this? What can I do? Look in your, look in your store cupboard. What, what makes sense here? And like even things like I'm a big fan of using jam in cocktails, for example, like because it's preserved fruit. Say a flavored mojito, for example, right? So, I don't know, strawberry mojito. Mm-hmm. Instead of adding sugar syrup and blitzing some strawberries or muddling some strawberries or whatever, take a tablespoon of strawberry jam and suddenly you've got a, a strawberry mojito. Now, then you look at the mint, right? And then you go, okay, mint's cool, but what other green things could I put in? What other aromatics? What works? So I look at food for a lot of my inspiration. So I'll look at a recipe, like I'll look at a dessert recipe. I don't cook sweet things, but I look at a dessert recipe and equate that to a cocktail constantly. Or uh, So whenever I'm looking at food recipes, I'll always look at ingredients from a drinks perspective, not from a food perspective. But if you understand... If you understand, if you're when you're reading a recipe and you understand why the ingredient is in there, something interesting, pomegranate molasses, right? So sour, sweet, replace lime juice with pomegranate molasses for that tartness in a cocktail. Do you know, it's, it's, so stuff like that. So there's loads of ways. I think, and the food world is so important to understand ingredients in a food context helps in a drinks context. Absolutely. You said something that I want to come back to. You said, find out what works with that. Okay. What works with that. If you are new to cooking and everything or making cocktails, obviously there's trial and error, but are there any rules about knowing what works with what? I I just, I don't don't know. Maybe it's experience, (laughs) but we just play around. Like, the strawberry and uh, so the mojito, the strawberry. So we have our, our one of our best-selling drinks is a strawberry and basil mojito with black pepper, right? And so that came about just because strawberry and basil and black pepper is a wicked. It's a beautiful dessert. As a dessert pairing, it works brilliantly. So we just thought, why? How can you not turn that into a cocktail? That all the flavors are there. It's just about delving into why different components work together necessarily, but. One of my favorite drinks at the moment, like oh, well, over summer, I, I just started drinking coffee with ginger beer. And everyone's mm. like, well, well, what's that? But you go like, well, coffee and tonic is a thing, right? So if you look at what ginger is, ginger's like a good ginger beer. It's still got that bite of tonic, but it's got the sweetness, but it's got this warmth that plays really well with coffee. So if you get a, a medium dark roast coffee, like a shot of a medium dark roast South American coffee, so you've got dark chocolate flavors. Uh, so dark chocolate and ginger works, right? Really well. Yeah. So suddenly you've got like almost like a ginger nutty long drink. It's it's banging. It's so it. nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking a mocha and ginger beer yeah. would be like Amazing. fabulous. Amazing. Because you've got right? that chocolate component as well. Now. Yeah. All right. As I said, it is nebulous. (laughs) This idea of flavor is nebulous. But when you hear of viscosity, richness in a cocktail, how does one add those things in? Or or what should people be looking for when they're creating a new cocktail to get that richness? Textures, textures, well, different textures have a time and a place, right? So, So some drinks you want like a gin and tonic. You don't want 
real like mouthfeel necessarily in terms of viscosity in there. You want it light and fresh. Certain drinks, a martini, you take a gin martini and just temperature alone, stick the bottle of gin and vermouth in the freezer, keep it super, super chilled and you've got a lovely texture, that lovely viscous mouthfeel. Then you think about aeration. So something like the, well, famously, probably the, uh, the Dante Garibaldi, where he blitzes the orange juice. So you've got this airy, you know, aerified Garibaldi. So it's, it's really about what you're trying to achieve. Like over summer, last summer, we did a drink. And, and I don't know why anyone's really done this. I don't know. But we were commissioned by London Essence to create a load of serves. And we came up with a frozen cocktail using sparkling tonic. And at the time, they were like, well, I've never seen anything frozen, but with a sparkling component. And it turns out, so like when you put um, something sparkling into a slushy, it, it holds the bubbles for longer and it releases the bubbles slower. So when you're drinking, get you get longer bubble bursts. It's not like quick, rapid fire. And it was the most incredible, incredible thing. And I worked with some really awesome bartenders and no one had seen something like that before. But that was just us experimenting and having fun so texture is important in in so many levels but it's down to the the drink like a whiskey sour that egg white that silky silky texture up against some bourbon is is a thing of beauty right and it Mm -hmm. just kind of elongates the flavor almost it elongates the taste of the liquid so yeah everything everything's got a, a space space for it also you said about combining um some jam into your cocktail. Something that I was thinking of while you were talking about spices is say I wanted to bring turmeric or something that I have on my shelf, clove spice into a drink and I just have the spice. Is there a, like, how do I do that? Do I first melt the jam? Do I put, I I don't just dump some spice in, but I mean, so so just for technique, how do you do that? I just create a sugar syrup. So I've done inverted commas old fashions at people's houses where they have no no bitters whatsoever. So you literally kind of just go for their spice covered, fruit covered, and just knock up a quick sugar syrup with like orange peel, lemon peel, and just literally like chuck in cloves and cinnamon, whatever you've got until you've got something that vaguely tastes quite nice. And your 50 ml of whiskey stirred down and you've got something resembling an old fashioned. So sugar syrups are the easiest way to, I guess, integrate, unless you want to start getting into infusions and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which take forever and could ruin your bottle of whatever it is if you're trying to infuse the entire bottle of something. And uh, it's so yeah, easy to make a sugar syrup. Sugar it's syrup, so few easy. Minutes, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, literally a few minutes. And you can taste and go as you go along. So like, it's, it's just a really easy way to play around. Yeah. Now, also... You have these ideas of all these different, I'm drawing on MasterChef here, by the way, of every dish needs to have like, have umami and be a little bitter and have some texture and sweet. Is that true for a cocktail? Should you be aiming to have three or four of those flavors in one or just one? Tell me what you think. Again, it's all about, you can get geeky about every drink. And I guess it's about whether, whether people would, would appreciate it. Uh-huh. So for our Persian lime and nori margarita, for example, right? So the nori, we, we looked at this drink and I love margaritas. Uh, like it's probably my favorite style of drink, my favorite classification of cocktail. We have that um, in common. But, I love a margarita as well. Yeah. 
Honestly, it's, it's such a thing of beauty when it's done well. To On me, a night totally. out, yeah. Mar- Tommy's margarita, all just like just smacking, yeah, just all day long. All right, and so then I'll on. end up, and then I'll, and then, then I'll go back home to the to the bourbon, to an old fashioned, right? At the end of the night. Uh, me too, me too, totally. Yeah. So I'm with you. But we looked at this and just, it was all about what I, what I really dislike about margaritas is a salt rim because. 99% of the time it's done executed really poorly so you've got cheap salt crusty and that first sip you have of it it just ruins your palate I'm so and with the, you there I always ask yeah. without salt me too always without salt <laughs> and so the nori is in there to add the salty liquid the saltiness into the liquid so you're taking an experience and elevating and improving it and just just rethinking how you could get that salty mouthfeel without the offensive salt on the rim. So I say, we, we look at uh, aromas huge for us. With a drink, there's no way. So if I give you a plate of food, if that first bite doesn't quite hit the spot, you might have four or five combinations that you can come together and you find your, your perfect bite, right? Whereas with a drink, really, you've got a start, maybe a, a middle and an end. And the drink will evolve obviously through the ice, et cetera. But you can't, you can't choose at what point you go into that drink for it to be perfect for you. So the aroma's got to be right there. The initial mouthfeel, the length of the, the taste on your taste buds. So all these things do have, you have to be very considerate to it. So we, add, we do add a pinch of salt to a little, like, again, kind of espresso martinis or coffee drinks, pinch of salt, even, even some bourbon drinks, like a pinch of salt, bringing out the sweetness into there but it's you've got to be considerate as to as as to why you do these things how do you want the the weight going back to say the peppercorns how do you want the weight of the drink to sit on the palate so there's a lot of different components not the same as food but i think a drink is under more pressure to perform instantly than a plate of food absolutely and when you get to a bar and you sometimes i'm just like make it simple i just i don't want to know every single thing that's yeah. in the cocktail. I, I think I was going to ask you about when you get to a bar and you see a thousand things listed in yeah, the... I'm not <laughs> <laughs> under. So you have the name of the cocktail, which you've never heard of because it's created by the masters because they are masters. Oh. And then underneath that, like a thousand ingredients. And you're like, I have no idea what this even tastes like. Yeah, right. You are, you're, you're, you're nodding. So I was going to ask you if... Is there a guide to this? Like, is there a way that you can figure out how something tastes from that list of a thousand things? I mean, I kind of well, go I with just the would, first. I would just wouldn't order it, to be honest. <laughs> like, anything that sounds... It's, it's, like, we have, a, we have our, our philosophy. So when we design a new drink, and this is going back to my marketing days uh, and my, my PR days, is I write the story of the drink first. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, literally kind of I'll write about the drink before we've even started, like touched anything. And if it reads well to me, then then it goes to development. But if I can't write an interesting story, something that would make a headline fundamentally, uh, a press release about a drink, then it doesn't, it doesn't even go to development. Like it, it doesn't go anywhere. If, it, if I'm bored by this story, then, then it doesn't go anywhere. That's our mantra for pretty much everything we do. What is the story? Tell me the story. And, I and if adore it's boring, that. 
No, I adore that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was going to ask you, I always ask the top tips for the home bartender. I know you've given so many tips. What is the, the top tip? But I think you've just said it, which is if you're creating a new cocktail and it's in your brain, write the story of it first. Yeah. Why does it exist? What is it trying to achieve? Yeah. (laughs) Now I've just taken your top. But if you have another top, top tip for the home bartender. Tea. 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 So tea again, I mean, my wife has so many tea bags, like so many. I mean, I drink PG tips, basically, and that's it. I'm a coffee person. I'll have a a cup of PG with my breakfast and that's about it, right? But she's got all these wonderful teas and I'm always playing. You've got chamomile, ginger, I don't know, like so many licorice. Teas are, again, like teas are designed to preserve flavor, right? fundamentally so it's an easy way to get hold of incredible ingredients in a preserved format one of our really popular drinks the summer just gone was just an earl grey collins Uh, and all you do you make a classic gin collins and then just drop an earl grey tea bag into it but the drink evolves as you drink it so again like when you talk about a, a cocktail experience like yeah i could just create a quick concentrate with the earl grey like brew it up and mix it in but I thought it was, I think it's far more interesting to see the tea bag evolve the drink as you're drinking it. So, again, that first sip to the last sip will be a completely different drinking experience. So, yeah, tea bags, again, everyone's got tea bags. They're cheap, easy, and, and fun to play with. I drink masala yeah. tea in the morning. I'm just thinking I should drop that into my sugar syrup and create a chai sugar syrup. Now, speaking of syrups, I don't want to leave you without talking about your new syrups because you're creating syrups. Yeah, the hot toddy ones for yeah. Aberfeldy. That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. which was uh-huh. really, really cool. So yeah, Aberfeldy approached us and said, look, we want to reinvent, modernize the concept of a hot toddy. And again, like, it's such a huge category of drinks that are underappreciated. Like people drink a lot of them, mostly badly. So <laughs> you start off with a hot toddy in the middle. What What is a hot toddy? And it's fundamentally, you've got a citrus component, you've got mm-hmm. a spiced component, and you've got a sweet component, right? But then okay. if you start elevating that, so uh, we took it to Mexico, so with like chili, so we used smoky chilies, chipotle chili, and chocolate. So you've got suddenly a chili chocolate, a hot toddy, which still fits with the fundamental uh, theory of what a hot toddy can be. And then we did a gingerbread one. So again, kind of just that's just a really popular, but you look at Christmas time, every coffee shop, you cannot move for a gingerbread right. cappuccino or whatever, right? Uh-huh. So again, like you look at the story of gingerbread and people go, oh, well, it's only gingerbread, but what? It's what everybody wants. Like you cannot move for a gingerbread coffee in Christmas. And so it's just a really fun play without taking it too far away from what a hot toddy is. So all you're doing really is boosting the ginger in there and adding a few extra spices in there and you've got a hot toddy, but just a, a much more exciting experience in there. I kind of can't wait to start making sugar syrups. It's like, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be, it's going to be my new thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this has been so great, but before I leave you or you leave me, I always ask if you could be drinking something anywhere right now, where would that be? And what would it be? A margarita, obviously, and probably just somewhere in like in Southern Spain on a beach in Southern Spain somewhere. Some nice tapas, yeah, and a margarita. That's me done. Happy I think days. Everyone just so wants some sun. They want some yeah, relief. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Anyone definitely. who lives in London, actually. 
So, Definitely. Well, this has been so amazing. I've learned so much. I Now I feel like thank I you. know flavor a little bit better. And <laughs> it was so great to catch up. So thank you so much for being on the thank show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Pratesh for joining me on the show today. I'm not sure flavor is any less objective, but now we know where to begin. We had to pick Pratesh's favorite cocktail for our cocktail of the week, but remember to add his bit of zing. So simple but amazingly delicious, the margarita is our cocktail of the week. Add all of the following ingredients into a shaker. Two ounces of tequila, one ounce of triple sec or Cointreau, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, and three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. Then add ice and shake, shake, shake. Strain it into a margarita glass with ice or without. And remember, no salt. If you want to make it a bit more flavorful, Pratesh says to add a bit of nari. You'll find this recipe, more classic cocktails, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Now I'm tasting every cocktail differently, dissecting it. I've even bought nori to add to my margaritas. I can't wait. So if you live for Lush Life, make sure you're giving back to the bars or restaurants you love by donating or taking part in cocktail or food delivery where you live. Theme music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leaves me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly and wash your hands and wear a mask. Next week, we'll be exploring how to drink liqueurs with an old friend who's now Bowles Brand Experience Manager. And if he doesn't know liqueurs, no one does. Until that time, bottoms up.